Hey, welcome to a very special Upland Nation podcast. You'll find out why in a couple minutes, but we're going deep into northern Nevada for wild chuckers. A few insights, a lot of fun, reliving opening weekend with my music school buddy Dave, and more to come. Hope you learned something, or are entertained, or got a question or two from our recounting of at least what we can remember from last weekend. But more for, for everybody as well, I'll have that Upland Nation puzzler question and a prize. Some news you can use about dogs and how they communicate with us. And then we'll debrief your opening weekend. It's all coming up here on the Upland Nation podcast. Made possible by Roughland Performance Kennels. Happy Jack Dog Care Products here on South Dakota's Ringneck Nation and Dr. Tim's Natural Performance Dog Food. Make a note of this, sageandbreaker.com. They're one of our sponsors and have been for a long time because they have gun care products that will last you a lifetime and probably your heirs' lifetimes as well. From gear, like shotgun cases, to tools to chemicals that are non-toxic and will take care of the metal on your shotguns. Learn more about them at sageandbreaker.com. Get on the mailing list. You'll get first notice of everything that comes out, including, by the way, their very, very infrequent sales. And our friends at Huron, South Dakota, the Ringneck Nation, learn more about what they have to offer at Hunt huronsd.com I've been to it many times a participant an observer and a commentator in one way or another at the ringneck festival and bird dog challenge that's November 4 through 6 whether it's friendly competition or the chance to show off for you and your friends learn more about all they have to offer at hunthuronsd.com one of the things I love most, 140,000 acres of public access. HuntHuronSD.com Well, this is, this is a first. Um, and I hope it's the first of many. We're going to debrief a little bit on a trip my buddy and I made. Everybody out there, meet David Coe. David Coe, meet everybody else out there. Are you with me? <laughs> there you are. Good. <laughs> now, just as a bit of background, I want to tell everybody that uh, <clears throat> we went to music school together. And um, out of that, you instigated a habit that's been uh, uh, recurring every year in one way, shape, or form since then almost. Uh, boys weekend, first for fly fishing, and now one for fly fishing, one for bird hunting every year. We meet halfway between your house down there in Central California and my house up here in Central Oregon. And this year, we stopped um, at a place we know a little bit, but we explored a lot of new parts of it as well up in northern Nevada. Does that sum it up, David? That's pretty much it. Okay, good. I want to make sure because you, I know you're a stickler for accuracy on everything except the latitude and longitude of where we were. Yeah, right. So um, northern Nevada... Your old uh, Labrador, Buster, my young-ish wire hair flick, and I and you, uh, we're not getting any younger either. But uh, in dog years, we'd be dead. 
Well, yeah. <laughs> in dog years, Buster's probably uh, eighty something, I think. So, of course, everybody. Every time you hear a, a calculation for how to figure that out, it's different. So, I, um, I'm not sure that you can really use those terms, but. Uh, Flick's definitely the young dog of the bunch. Yeah, and showing off. Uh, <laughs> They're all old dogs. So. Yeah, and, uh, and fun to run them both together. Uh, you know, Flick just loves playing with a, a dog his size, and, and Buster is that and a little bit more. So yeah. uh, that worked out pretty well. Let's, let's just first set the stage here. We're in northern Nevada. Um, anybody who knows me uh, knows probably a little bit more closely where it is than that, but... Uh, there are dozens of little mountain ranges in what they call the basin and range country of, of Nevada out there. And we are basically at the foot of one looking at two or three others uh, and stark, desolate country to a lot of people. Sagebrush, uh, bitter brush, a little rabbit brush here and there. And uh, a, cu- a couple of cactuses once in a while. In fact, I pulled a couple spines out of Flick uh, day before yesterday. After you left yesterday, um, I saw a couple of little, I'm not sure what type of cactus they were. They were a little round, about six inches in diameter, and I hadn't seen them before, but I wondered that we hadn't uh, gotten the dogs stuck with something at some point. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like Flick took care of that. Knock wood, just a couple, and it sure beats porcupines, skunks, or mountain lions. So, uh, <laughs> count, counting our breast blessings on all of that. So this That's is all the things that they roll in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then there's that. You know, uh, like I said, some people would look at that and say, "Why would anybody want to go there?" Uh, but we keep going, and you know, I have my own reasons, but I'm also interested in your reasons. What What do you like about that area? That I like to think maybe I showed you the first time or two. Well, you did. I think that you you coaxed me up there. We were in southern Oregon instead of northern Nevada, but that's just a line. Um, and it's just, um, well, in, in Wyoming and Montana, they call it big sky country, but there's a lot of sky in that neck of the woods too. That and... Uh, and the more you open your eyes and wander around, the more history you see, little clues here and there. And there's just, uh, it's got a majesty that's uh, unique, and it certainly brings us back. Plus, his birds. <laughs> yeah, and, and knock wood, this was a great opening weekend for both of us in many ways. Um, we'll get into that, but, uh, you know, we might just start. Actually, let's just start with that. We got there the night before the opener in Nevada. And um, and the weather was good. It was crowded where we were, but most of those people were doing something other than chucker hunting. Uh, did we? I don't think we saw anybody anywhere. We saw some old shells and maybe a footprint or two. But beyond that, we pretty much had every place we went to ourselves. It, uh, pretty amazing that way. We we uh, tromped around, and covered a lot of miles, and uh, never never. Park, never had to go past a spot because there was another car parked there or a truck. Never saw another hunter. Never heard a shot in the distance. It was, it, for opening weekend, it was pretty amazing. 
And, you know, a lot of people would say, well, it was droughty this year. Uh, the reports weren't so good from that area. I'm going to go somewhere else where I'm not even going to bother going. And, you know, in the course of our five nights down in that country, we ran into two other parties at that tavern over the course of four days, I think, that were yeah. also chucker hunters. And they were they were frustrated. Uh, yeah. and. And we know, we know that you kill boot, birds with, uh, with boot leather, not with uh, shotgun shells. But, you know, they were putting in their miles as well, and they were just in the wrong place at the right time, and we were the opposite, I guess. We've, we've paid our dues in that regard over the course of time. We just had a good, lucky year this year, I think, so far. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about that because, I, you know, I've told, you heard me. I was calling Karen the one time we had cell phone service, and I said, this trip was epic in so many regards. Number one, I was finally hitting some birds with my shooting. Number two, we found a bunch of birds, but there was way more to it than that. What are some of the other things that, that just popped up that to you made it an epic trip? Well, of course, if, whenever you and I get together, it's, uh, it's a special experience because we have a lot of history together and we get along so well. Um, and, Anytime you're out with the dogs, that, you know, is an end unto itself. But uh, we have seen some, some really spectacular country and wondered, well, what happens if we go over there or how do you get over there? And we just keep following up on it. And I think we're starting to hone our instincts a little bit because we seem to, when we follow those, those what-ifs, it seems to pay off more often than it did in the past. Uh, you know, we'll probably have a five-year drought on birds <laughs> that'll prove it wrong. Hey, 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 <laughs> hey, don't jinx it. <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, uh, seems like maybe after 30 or 40 years, we're starting to figure it out. <laughs> well, you know, you're right. And and we we did agree to that a few times. We're walking around in places where, you know, literally within a half mile of the truck, we're we're finding a bird or two or fifty, and and I think you're right. I think it, we, we're looking at that thing from a distance in the binoculars, and then we're looking at it from up close. And there are a few things that that seem to be, um, I guess I'll call them, critical factors for a chucker population. One of them, of course, uh, I'll just call it. Um, uh, wide open spaces. It's got to be uninhabited by anything civilized. Another one is um, the rock piley kind of stuff, although that's all relative. You know, they do like to have rocks around them and uh, they like to have a slope. But I, I think the thing that we really hit on this year was um, how much cheat grass we found. And that was in a drought year, but everywhere we looked, didn't well, it? that was the secret. Yeah, find it, find and feed, and then on top of that, we're we're getting a little better at taking into consideration the the weather of the moment. You know, the day that it was hellacious windy, we didn't hunt the ridge tops. We hunted the, the sheltered spots and things along those lines. Really uh, save you a lot of boot leather, so to speak. Uh, if you can go to the right spot first instead of stumble into it after 10 miles of tromping around, then that, that helps. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, you, because, because you know, if 
if, if you're not a chucker hunter, you may not realize this, but I'm looking at some notes I took uh, on the, 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 the first day alone, my German wired pointer flick ran 17 and a half miles. Uh, and we're doing about one and a half. Uh, he's doing about two and a half to, to three miles for every mile we walk, but we're still putting in a lot of miles and they're uphill and downhill miles. The, the other thing that I, th I think we've done over the years is we've become a little bit more stealthy about this stuff. And we've all learned this a hard way. I think I'll never forget going up, a another Creek, a little bit North of there. And you know, which one I mean, it starts with a C and, uh, and seeing a chucker on the top of a rock. And as soon as I saw him, of course, he saw me. And he told everybody at the bottom of that rock, let's get out of here. So so being a little bit more stealthy, that means being quiet, maybe being a little strategic in how you approach the spots where you think the birds are going up over and then coming back down or uh, looking for the, the leeward side of some of those rocks. I think it's all paying off, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um... Of course, like I say, hunting with the dogs is a big part of things. And when your dog gets to be where my dog is, and he's just, most of the time he's following me instead of leading the way like he normally would, just because he's old and a little worn out and a little out of shape. He'll be better by the end of the season, I'm hoping. Yeah. <laughs> that That's a little bit of a limiting factor that, that – you know, in a way, can work to your advantage. Uh, better to have one dog working close and one dog working out like our pair were this weekend than to have two wide-ranging dogs that are in, going in opposite directions, especially if they're not um, particularly uh, uh, quick to respond to commands. Now, your dogs are always well-trained. And my dog's too old to get it. <laughs> so, so we're okay that way this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. we two dogs working too far and uh, not always, you know, two different dogs, not the ones we've got now. <laughs> it hasn't always worked out that well, but uh, it's always been fun regardless. Well, you know, and, and we did learn that lesson a few times uh, last weekend as well. You know, Flick, he's a big runner, and he's still relatively young, and it was his first chucker hunt of the year. So he um, he thought he could get a lot closer to some of those bunches than uh, than he should have, and he learned his lesson. And that's one of the things we'll talk about a little bit more down the road in this discussion as well, is what he learned over the course of four days of hunting wild birds. But um, he busted a bunch. And, uh, and we didn't get those shots. And so, uh, you reminded me that my, uh, one of my mantras is close your left eye, because as many of you know, I'm left eye dominant, but I shoot righty. And when I miss, it's usually because I didn't close my eyes. So the, the mantra was close your left eye. And then I realized later I could use the same first word, but pronounce it different close. That's what I want flick to do. So I brought him in a lot more and and just cut him loose as we got to the really birdie stuff and that helped a few times as well um you know on that first day i i was in the right place at the right time uh more often than you but you got your share of shots as well is there any of those that that, that are just indelibly etched in your mind well um of course i um uh, the ones that you miss you never forget <laughs> And that first bird I shot on this trip was 
kind of pleasing because, like I say, Buster, being old and a little beat up, um, he wasn't um, quite as active in the actual hunt, but I couldn't find the, the, the down bird. I searched and searched, and, of course, I, it turned out I'd marked it 20 yards short of where it actually fell. And then we went back later, and even though Buster wasn't uh, – as as active in the actual hunt he picked up the scent and i knew when we were getting close because just because of the change in his body language he shed five years as soon as he smelled the bird so uh that was fun watching him know that the bird was there and uh and ha getting his help in retrieving the the dead bird even though he wasn't as uh as active in some of the aspects of the hunt as he would have been in days gone by. Well, I want to, I want to, before I forget to talk about this one, this was happened on about the third day. I think we were in that spot. Okay. You know, you've been there. Um, you see that road coming down the ridge line <clears throat> and Dave, you know where I'm talking about. It was just a little North of Fakedograph point. Uh, that's what, what I'm calling it or Fakedoglyph point. <laughs> Um, because I thought at one point those were giant petroglyphs up there, but they're not. But it was worth the climb because we found more chucker droppings up there last oh, year God. than we've ever seen. I mean, it was... Bat cave with guano. I mean, you probably could have, if you could sell the stuff, you could have made a fortune just with the, the chucker poop that was at the base of that cliff. So we were in a little bit north of that, and uh, we'd been driving past that place for a few years, and there's a road coming down there, and, and, and the problem is there's no way to get to that road, we thought. Turns out, if you just go up on the road outside of the campground we were in, and you're brave, and you have new tires with Kevlar sidewalls, uh, you can actually go over the top and down that road, and we did, and I'll tell you, I was rewarded, you were rewarded, we had an incredible time on that side. I want to close out this segment with with just that 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 bunch where we were down below and we were we were actually pushing quail and we got those and we had fun with that and someday we'll talk about that as well. But then you came up the far side along that piece of water of that point and then I came up the other side and I'll start this off. But but the only reason it worked is because of you. So so we get up there and Flick hits a point. And it's, it's, you know, it's pretty rough ground and it's a bit of a slope and he hits that point and six or eight chuckers got up, I think it was, and they, they all survived. Um, but, but they survived by interesting you on the other side and me on this side. And because I missed, but Flick had done such a great dog, I do what I advocate in many cases. And that is I pulled out one of the quail I had in my vest and I lobbed that out there and told Flick to retrieve it instead, and uh, he didn't know any better. He thought I was a great shot again. So that worked out great. But but then you come around, and you, you're thinking you see some of those birds up higher, right? Is that how that worked? Well, I, the first time I saw them was when you and Flick flushed them. I, I uh, ended up dropping one of those birds just past shooting. They were oh, yeah. to, to fly past me. And then then I was just off uh, kind of exploring, and you were chasing birds. You, you saw a bird, uh, if, I, if I remember right, up on the slope above you. So you went up there and ended up uh, putting those birds back up a second time. And um, one of them was a 
flying probably 40 feet off the ground and heading the opposite way pretty quick and you nailed it and it dropped bounced about four feet but out of sight from where you were standing and i marked it and led you in to find the re- to, to make the retrieve or you and your dog <laughs> yes it, it and that was probably the high point of the trip in many ways for me but I, I will talk more about some of the other high points because it was just one of those trips that one uh was gratifying for a bunch of reasons. It was kind of almost everybody on the team was involved in one way or another. And it, it worked out so well. I'd forgotten it. Do you know why I forgot you shot that first bird? I didn't hear it. I think oh. we pulled the trigger at the same time. Could be because uh, I don't think they all got up quite at once. And so I was um, shooting at the first ones to flush and you were still trying to drop something in the, in the leftovers from the cubby that still hadn't got up. Well, we're just getting started here at the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host. That is my good buddy from music school and ever since Dave Coe. Dave will be back with us. Uh, He gets a break right here to relax and save his vocal cords while, while I talk a little bit more about some of the important stuff that, that pays the bills around here. First off, if you haven't looked at the Patreon page, uh, check it out. See if that kind of a membership, premium membership is worth it to you. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Upland Nation. Learn more about all the access, the previews, the sneaky stuff you get, and a new Upland Nation podcast sticker. It's on its way right now. This part of the podcast is brought to you in part by happyjackinc.com. You know, with hunting season on, all the things that can scratch, bite, cut, or inflame your dogs outside. Well, they got something for all of them, from pad coat to seal and heal to skin balm to their flea beacon. Take a look at all of the ways they can probably save you a trip to the veterinarian in many cases at happyjackinc.com. And Dave will attest to this because he was mooching off me the whole time. My Roughland Kennels water holder. Yeah, it holds about nine gallons. It looks like a storage tray and it stores all sorts of things in it. But we kept that thing topped off every day as we went out into the Chucker Hills so that we can top off our own canteens and then also keep our dogs watered. And in one case, I even hosed off Flick with that thing on a very, very hot day and it worked extremely well. Learn more about all of the stuff that Roughland Kennels has to offer, and that's R-U-F-F, just like your dog would say it, RoughlandKennels.com. By bird hunters, for bird hunters, they are figuring out new stuff every day that's going to make your life a little bit easier. That's the whole point, and that's what they're all about, RoughlandKennels.com. So my music school buddy, Dave Coe, is sitting in his man cave, which is, I want to say, he is surrounded by antique musical instruments. Dave, just look to your left and tell me what you're seeing right now. Oh, God. Oh, well, there's about half a dozen 
Deer racks up on the wall. Okay, well, we didn't study that at the conservatory. Okay, but there are there's a there's an antique oboe and an antique flute and an antique clarinet, all about two hundred years old, and uh, a whole shelf full of flutes and just mostly woodwinds. Yeah. And an electric bass that I haven't learned to play yet, but I sitting there waiting. <laughs> Well, by the time we get together, and we did, folks, we did, I confess, uh, we, I finally uh, had been threatening for years to bring a guitar, and it turns out we both brought one and had a little fun with that. Um, but next time, either bring that bass or bring your Ophiclide. Ah, uh, well, the Ophiclide's on to my right, so okay. that... <laughs> and if you don't know what that is, look it up, everybody. <laughs> Back to Northern Nevada chucker hunting. I, I just got to tell you, um, you know, one of the, I love traveling for hunting at least. And I, I used to not, I, I, I didn't like traveling for business. And luckily I don't have to do near as much as I do now, I, I'm at, as I have to do now. But, but anyway, just traveling in that country is, is spectacular. Dave, you said um, the, uh, you know, big sky, uh, Montana's got nothing on Northern Nevada in that regard. But, but there's all that other stuff, and whether it was this trip uh, where we saw those wild donkeys. Uh, first time I've seen wild donkeys in Nevada, by the way. What else is there in that country that has really piqued your interest? Oh, God. Um, well, it's always interesting to keep your eyes open for arrowheads, although you, most of that country is public land, so you have to leave them where you find them. But there's uh, – and there's – old homesteads and those willow corrals that are on some of the old homesteads are fascinating. Just a lot of, a lot of, uh, history. Plus it's, it's I think you used the word stark before it is. It's stark, but it's a stark beauty. It's, uh, um, the weather changes fast. The cloud formations are, are spectacular and unusual. Uh, sometimes there's lenticular clouds that, almost look alien and the the wispy uh cirrus clouds and and the huge thunderheads it's just the sky just watching the sky during the day and the stars at night is enough to keep you uh interested and fascinated but uh and then i you know like i say i always come back to and there's birds yeah there are and um, one of the, the place that you called the Buffalo Jump that I, I think I made up another name for it after that last busted covey at the bottom of it is another example how wild it can be. I mean, this is a place literally where uh, there's a sheer rock cliff, but there's enough nearby that you you can understand why a cow might get there and then stumble and then end up at the bottom and soon become a pile of bleached bones. The Wild West is alive and well in places like this, isn't it? Oh gosh, yes, indeed. Makes you wonder uh, some of the changes in the in the land over the course of time. What it would have been like before the advent of cattle ranching out there. But uh, um, it's just like you say, it's the Wild West. Um, some of those old uh, homesteads that you stumble across and ranch buildings where. Well, you said you knew somebody who supposedly had uh, would trap coyotes and turn them loose in one of those willow corrals and just feed them through the winter until their coats got bushy enough to uh, 
make a few more bucks from the from the pelts. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of characters out there. I'll, I'll never forget uh, drinking beer around a campfire once and watching these two flashlights coming up the road. Uh, by the time they get there, you, you understand why they were so wiggly on the way up. The guys are about 85 years old and old, broken down cowboys from way back. So we're sharing a drink or a five with them. And, and one of the cowboys is telling story after story after story. And I'm realizing, hey, I know that guy. I just read his biography. And he, he had lived out in that country his entire life, he used to ride 80 miles on his horse to, you know, not really 80, but uh, 30 miles to the Saturday night dance, dance all night, get up and come back and then ranch the rest of the week. This is the kind of guys who are still out there in many ways and um and still living the life that uh that they their ancestors were living a hundred years ago that guy in fact cactus smith was his name and uh his distinction was his great-grandparents were the last fatality in um in one of the indian wars in that country wow yes yeah, pretty incredible and then of yep. course his uh you know his his uh current day um compatriot david who we met uh friday night or was yeah. it saturday night still doing it out there still still a wrangler yep those guys professional cowboys are still alive and well in that neck of the woods life is good so so um we're sitting there at the campground and um and this was last year when we were there and we get out of the hot spring which is really more like a tepid spring and and the guy next to us says something like, well, if this was closer to civilization, it'd be a national park. What do you think he was thinking about when he, when he said that? Well, some of the, some of the landmarks in that part of the country are so spectacular. I, I, I mean, you remember a uh, year ago we were just, you, you you see something off in the distance, and it's not really that terribly far away, but you don't really see all the details. And we were just driving around doing a little exploring and got out of the car and walked up on a and saw scenery that just was unbelievably breathtaking. And if you didn't know, you know, it was there and you didn't happen to just take the right dirt road, um, it, it just... It's unbelievable the things that are out there just waiting to be seen that are not widely famous or but are still just as spectacular as anything on the planet. Maybe on a little bit of a smaller scale, but if something's you know, if if you've got one canyon that's five thousand feet tall and another that's five hundred feet tall, and you're standing at the top or the bottom it's uh the the impact is not that different so yeah it's what's out there well i think you're describing the place that we we uh we actually were at both ends of it this this last week um at one point or another and and i can't help but think of edvard grieg's hall of the mountain kings from the pier gint suite for the entrance the gate the hall of the mountain king there was it it's just mind-boggling that people don't know about those places yep yep and they're out there um and i would never have guessed 
you know, it's such an outlier. Uh, not that there isn't other spectacular things in that country, but most of it's most of it's more understated and and just um, has to kind of work its way into your soul before it has the real impact. But this spot is uh, uh, almost beyond comprehension in some ways. Yeah. So yeah. and there's, those things are out there. They are, and, and that's uh, in large part one of the great reasons to go hunting besides killing a bird and watching your dog work, uh, or maybe the the opposite, uh, we ought to flip those over. Um, let's get back to the bird hunting because I, I just want to I want to touch on a couple things, and the first one is that, that last day in the morning we were back, well, at the other end of that gorge, yep. and uh, and we were close enough together finally, and I was I think I was trying to get your attention because it, Flick looked birdie at that point. We were, for once, we were on flat ground um at, at the bottom of that gorge walking some of the quail country in that in that area and flick starts getting birdie and then he hits a point and um trying to get you up but you're you know 100 yards away so hopefully flick will hold that point and and it's valley quail everybody so it, they, they are inclined not to hold still for a pointing dog all that well but um you were coming up i was coming up i watched flick he realized oh wait a minute the birds have moved so i'm gonna burn rubber towards the next spot where i think oh there it is slams a point actually kicked up a little dust cloud when he hit hit the ground on the last step man he was motivated and you were almost in range when six chuckers got up not quail chuckers and i got lucky and killed one but it happens to be the same one that you were hoping to get lucky and kill wasn't it i was in range it's just you killed the bird i had on a beat on before I... <laughs> and uh and... sol but you know. <laughs> as i think that's the last we saw those chuckers wasn't it yeah we didn't see actually i think that's the last chuckers we saw we heard some up in the you know, uh, talking up in the hills, but they were on the other side of a, a place where we couldn't get to them. Yeah, you know, and, and we'll have to look again at uh, at something, some kind of data source that might get us over there uh, in one way or another because I think every valley quail we flushed went that direction as well. Not that they haven't figured it out over the generations. We, we uh, to our credit, we didn't pull the trigger when they were flying the direction we weren't going to be able to get a retrieve. So, yeah, that, uh, worked, that worked out pretty well for a change for them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, 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 no, us, so anyway. <laughs> so, um, I could I I could talk all day about the highlights on my end, but uh, what about on your end? What else comes to mind? What are the things you've told everybody about since we got home a couple of days ago? Oh gosh! Well, of course we've got pictures, so that those, like you say, the the wild burrows was very. Uh, that's the first time I had seen those. I've, we've we've seen wild horses when we we're out together before, but I uh, hadn't bumped into the wild burrows, and they were fascinating and very not did not seemingly shy at all. But that was that was very cool. Um, just the fact that we've had trips. Uh, on any number of occasions where we didn't get many birds. And this time we had uh, brought stuff home in the ice chest and saw a lot of birds that we did not get. They're still out there. 
So that's nice to, to feel successful that way. The, the music in camp was uh, a nice change that we haven't done that very much over the years. And uh, uh, so I really enjoyed playing a little guitar and hearing you. Um, try to play guitar well you know it's a different style but it, it's it's uh something it's a different different from what i do and i do something different from what you do and it it's cool to have them both and you, you do a nice job so you know we never did yeah you know we spent what maybe two years together in music school before you graduated and uh, we never, we might have played in a big, big, big band together once or twice, but that's about it. All of our other playing together has been after 11 beers in, in your <laughs> man cave, playing instruments that are so old, nobody could make them sound good. <laughs> well, that was part of the charm, I'd like to think. I agree. I'm looking at those photos now because those, those donkeys, so far, everybody loves those wild donkeys. They, they're so fuzzy. They, you know, you know, every, you know, if your dog or maybe if you have a horse, you know, a horse that gets a winter coat. These guys had that winter coat already, and it was just so puffy and cute. But I'm looking at a shot that you took of me, and, and there's an incredible mountain range in the background, and it's probably 30 miles away. We're looking east, but we're up there in that big bowl uh, that we thought on a really windy day, where are chuckers going to be? Well, they're not going to be, like you said, on top. They're going to be hunkered down behind something. And sure enough, I'm walking up on this boulder that's about, oh, the size of a travel trailer, maybe even bigger. And in in that situation, in a couple different places, we found those birds. You know, imagine if a bird could kind of kind of raise up their shoulders and and stick their head down and just try and stay a little bit warmer. That's what I think they were doing out there. Um, I don't think we ever shot any of those. I had the best shot on one day when they got up right in front of me and I missed with both barrels. Um, but we, you know, that's and again. The, it's always fascinating to me that uh, there was two separate times, two separate covey rises that we got on uh, what seemed to be pretty open, cover-free, and we walked right up on top of those birds that we got good a good point both times from Flick. And uh, when those birds got up, you probably could have reached out and grabbed one if you'd known it was there, and we did not have any idea that those birds were holding right in front of us until they flushed. Um, one time you got a bird and the other time I got one, and um, but we won't say how many times we missed on either either of those rises, but uh, um, it's fascinating to me that in country that seems, you know, stark and barren, that there's still possible for those birds to be right in front of you and you don't know. Well, you know, absolutely right. And, and uh, you know, I say the same thing about pheasants. How could a bird that is so gaudily dressed can't get, become camouflage in any cover? But I'm looking at yet another picture that you took here, and it's a, it's a chucker in your hand, and you're holding it up in a way that, you know, the the vegetation in the background and the boulders in the background and the foreground, There's a it's like a dead alkali brush or something like that. They're all those colors. The birds are all those colors. And yep. that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. That's why I never find them. I mean, so they're, they're well camouflaged in spite of the, the bars and the stripes and the, 
the red legs and the the red bill they they're still managed to be invisible you know um i'm going to uh, uh suggest that we we both uh hereby uh create a testimonial for chucker hunting if we were going to do that uh create a uh, a radio commercial for chucker hunting what would be in that commercial well it's the the, the classic comment you know the the cliche that the first time you hunt chuckers for fun and after that it's always for revenge uh, that they they are they will make you work hard but when you finally get some it's uh, it's a big payout it makes it worthwhile it does and and all you want to do is more after that because you you can always get more revenge you know one of the things that uh, that i i love about it number one is being still being able to do it i just got off the phone not an hour ago with a physician's assistant who wants to open up both of my knees by the way and work oh, on it. but at this point we're still doing it and it's you know there's a lot to be said and and there are people who think that that's all there is to it and pride themselves on their physical um attributes in regards to chucker hunting but that's just part of it it is i'm grateful that we can still do that oh boy it's uh it's sometimes you wonder just how long this can go on but uh i think well you know i'm getting ready to leave on my deer hunt in a, another week and i think you can do as long as you keep doing it and you don't kill yourself in the process, you can always find a way to pare things back a little bit. There's a lot of guys out there who, uh, who drive around on side-by-sides these days, and uh, I'm hoping that we can stall it off as long as possible before we get to the point where that's the only way we can do it. But when we get to that point, then I'll be, I'll be willing to uh, uh, compromise my principles. <laughs> and, 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 buy a four side by side (laughs) there you go and i'll i'll be right with you there so get a four get a four seater so we can put a dog in each of the back seats as well oh my we could do this forever we will do it forever again we got another date um this has been so fun we're going to go um go hunting again together in the same general area uh real soon and we'll talk about that one as well but in the meanwhile you know I really ought to do this more often, put my friends on the podcast because it makes it even more fun. So that's my friend, David Cohen, the right speaker. I'm Scott Linden in the left speaker. You stick around. I've got a lot more to talk about. I've got some news. I got a prize for you. I've got a few other things that we're going to talk about, but I'm going to turn my music school buddy, David Cohen, loose to go, yeah, maybe pick up that Ophiclide and play a couple scales on it. All right. All right. Thanks. Good to talk to you, Scott. Take care of yourself. Take care. Bye-bye. Have you had that kind of conversation with one of your hunting buddies yet this year? Well, I hope so. And if you haven't, I hope you have one real soon. You know, the, the doing it is one thing. The getting ready for it is another. The talking about it afterwards yet another. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and we busted out a few bottles of single malt. Enjoyed some of that. I think I'm making a convert out of Dave, although we did have quite a few other things while we were there as well. 
Hey, this part of the show is brought to you by Dr. Tim's Natural Performance Dog Food, D-R-T-I-M-S dot com. Use the code Upland Nation and you'll get 30% off your first order. And believe me, once, I, in fact, I sent an email to Tim not a week ago. I said, he is looking so good. Um, he is buff. And partly because, and mainly because, I should say it that way, of the diet he gets from Dr. Tim. Uh, we use the Momentum Formula, 35% uh, protein, 25% fat. Flick burns it just like a steam engine. There is no fat on that guy. In fact, I have to work hard at putting more fat into him so that he doesn't go all the skin and bones during a hunt. But one thing Flick does not get from anything that Dr. Tim has to offer is an artificial preservative. Now they go by various names, but they have to tell you that they're artificial preservatives. So check the label of your own dog food. And if they have those in there, know that sometimes those same preservatives are part of a pesticide or an antifreeze. Yeah, you heard me right. Poison. Learn more about all of the ingredients in all of the formulations of Dr. Tim's natural performance dog food at D-R-T-I-M-S. I'll bet I'll make a convert out of you as well. Free delivery right to your porch, D-R-T-I-M-S dot com. Promise you a little news. Hey, they do have a language. We just don't understand it most of the time. Dogs bark differently depending on the type of animal they are seeing at the moment. I found that fascinating, and I'm not surprised, frankly. This published study was published in Nature Scientific Reports. It shows that for two kinds of hunting dogs, they were exposed to four different kinds of animals. Wild boars, red fox, rabbit, or birds didn't say what kind of birds, but um, they would change their bark, pitch, and intensity. In fact, the more threatening, or at least the perceived threat of the critter, the deeper and louder their barks. So I guess out there in Chucker country, if you hear a deep, loud bark, you're looking at a coyote or a mountain lion. So you heard about our opening weekend. How about your own? I asked in the Upland Nation Insights newsletter. And I know some are just opening. Maybe you haven't gotten out yet. Whatever your opening weekend is, how was it? Well, almost 12% of you said it was epic. 18% said it was as I expected. 16% said it was worse than I expected. And the rest of you haven't gone yet. Well, um... Here's your invitation. Get out there. Enjoy the heck out of it. Have a great season. I also asked at Facebook uh, on both the Wing Shooting USA and the Upland Nation Facebook pages, show us one picture that sums up your opening weekend. And I got some great ones. John J. O'Connell IV said, Snow and mud, hard to see and chilly, but found birds. And I see that. Yeah, we had about the same thing uh, overnight once out there in northern Nevada, but it didn't stick and we had sunshine so um we beat you on that one john mike and erica carr sent me a picture of what looks like ooh, some kind of a stew with mushrooms and rice and some I, I shouldn't be looking at that right now i'm so hungry 
Mike Wise sends a picture of his short hair with a cliff in the background that I think I recognize. Mike, were you there too? Did you see that place I call Fake to Glyph Point? Sure looks like it. I hope you had a good time. Dale Charles. Okay. Yeah, Dale, I'm working on that. Trying to get Wing Shooting USA back up and running. So keep keep in touch. And then finally, Terry McElray sends a picture of his, I'll call it a, a reddish yellow lab with a shotgun. And a, uh, let's see, what is that? That is um, uh, two dead ringnecks in front of his yellow lab. So sounds like you had a good time, Terry. Keep up the good work. All right, I promised you a prize. And believe me, it came in handy over the weekend. We both used it a lot. That Pete boot dryer, it's up for offer. If you can answer this question at the end of the month from all the correct answers, I'll pick one at random and send somebody a Pete boot dryer. Message me on Facebook all the Facebook pages work. I get all those messages every day. So just send me your answer on Facebook and I'll add you to the list. What game bird variety has the first name Gambles? All right. So what kind of bird is it that has the first name Gambles? Good luck and stay in touch on that. Uh, final part of the show here is brought to you by FindBirdHuntingSpots.com. Got new material every week. And let me remind you that if you haven't gone out yet or you went out and you forgot something, the ultimate upland checklist is right there. Feel free to download it and use it so that you don't forget your dog, your shotgun. That's you. I'm talking to you, Dave, or anything else on your next trip. Thank you, my good friend Dave Coe from Music School and everywhere else we've went together for being on the podcast. Thank you for listening, everybody. Please tell your friends. That's how we grow, one listener at a time. You want to learn more? Check in at the Wing Shooting USA or the Upland Nation Facebook pages. And I sure wish you'd take a look at the Patreon page and support us in one way or another. Be well worth your while. Thanks to all of those who have left ratings and reviews, including TK Hot Sadie. Hey, finally, a name I can pronounce. I'll leave you with this. The next in the series of dad jokes. How does dog stop a TV show? Oh, come on, you know this one. He presses pause. I'm Scott Linden. Thanks again for listening. Until we talk again next time, see you in the field.